hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor are always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 129. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. Proud sponsors and supporters of Two Blokes Talking Tech. We are here each and every week uh, to talk about everything in technology in the week. But week just gone and perhaps the week ahead. And Stephen Fennick joins me down the line from the other side of the world, Berlin, for the big IFA show. G'day, mate. How are you going? Yes, it's uh, the calm before the storm here, Trev. Uh, the press conferences begin uh, in a few hours and in the next couple of days. So, uh, But we've kind of got a good idea what to expect, and we'll chat about that in a moment. Exactly. This is, uh, this is a big trade show. It's the biggest, uh, biggest consumer electronics show in Europe, and we will bring you everything we can from there live here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. So let's get straight into it. Um, it's it's late Wednesday evening, our time, but um, as you say, the press conferences and things begin pretty much Thursday morning from 1am onwards. Uh, so a lot of this news will be, be clear, but let's talk about the things that we uh, we expect so that we can give our, our thoughts on them. And I, I guess the first and, and probably the biggest one, which is tough for the other companies involved, but Samsung will dominate here uh, in terms of their announcements. We're, we're pretty clear we're going to get the, the Note 3, uh, which is the third generation of their their huge phone, which is very very popular. It's it's the it's the big phone with the with the stylus, and we're also likely to get the first uh, first real big play into the smart watch segment here this year. That's right. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting space. Now you mentioned the smart watch. We'll chat about that off the bat, and it's going to be called the Galaxy Gear. Now it's it's pretty much the the worst kept secret ahead of Ether. The, <laughs> Samsung actually confirmed all these details, uh, and it's going to be. I don't think it's going to replace your watch. Obviously, we'll find out more details soon. But it's going to be a companion to your watch. The question will be: Will it work with other phones? Is it just going to work with Samsung phones? Uh, how big and dorky is it going to look? Is it going to be? Sl- and stylish like we're hoping but it also then puts the heat on other companies there's a, been or, a lot of rumors around apple producing an iWatch, uh, even google talking about one as well so w- what it's going to be does this kick off a whole new segment of consumer tech uh, time will tell i guess and, and i think the, the thing you talk about there with with how does it look it comes off the back of some some leaked photos of this galaxy gear watch which, uh, with the greatest respect to the people who spend their days and lives engineering these things, looks hideous, quite frankly. It's, it's huge uh, and, frankly, just yeah. ugly. Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm hoping to get a hands-on look at it and an eyes-on review of this product uh, in in the next well, literally in the next few hours. Um, so stay tuned to Tech Guide. I'll be posting them as soon as possible. But I think uh, you really can't really tell the scale of the product unless it's on your wrist. Mm. Now, what watches I think like a lot of products are a very subjective thing. Does it look it, what looks big and dorky to someone else is an absolute 
a thing of beauty to other people. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Trev. I'm going to be. Uh, I'll have to go in and test it on our behalf and take plenty of photos of my wrist. Hopefully, with the Samsung gear gear on it or the Galaxy gear on it. The reason I say that is because I think when you, when we're creating a new segment like this, now watches are not new, obviously. Um, smart-ish watches are not new either. There's there's a few Bluetooth watches around and there's also some very smart GPS training watches from the likes of TomTom and Garmin. And TomTom got a new range coming out now. But but I guess this is the this is the real mass consumer potential here for, for the for the watch. Uh, and we need it it needs to be attractive to see and use for it to be successful. So this is really important for, for yeah, every company. Absolutely. Mm. I think uh, that obviously the, the market, the, the, the biggest market in the, in the smartphone space uh, is the younger, younger market. They're sort of more active with these devices. Now, take a look around you though, Trev. There's not many young people that actually wear watches. Mm. So this is going to have to be pretty special to get a device on your wrist. Now, the only enticement I can see for, the, for these people who don't normally wear a watch and may want to start doing it is if it has some kind of activity monitor, some kind of health, like a jawbone shine type of activity monitor there built in mm. to give us another incentive to have this on our body all the time. Yep. I think just to tell the time and to answer your calls and see what emails you got, it's not hard to pull your smartphone out of your pocket. So I think that there's something that they haven't revealed yet that will hopefully be that magic, that, that sort of special source that makes this an attractive product. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, let's talk about the Note 3. I mean, that's, again, not um, not an obvious um, a secret. Uh, and essentially, this this is a device that, that's had a good life so far. For something that I really didn't expect to go okay, it's been widely well-received. And I guess the update we can expect here is, is that new look that Samsung have applied to the Galaxy S4 and then to other devices since with the Mini and stuff. So it's basically a redesign with, with you know upgraded features. Yeah, I agree. It's going to have a slightly different design. Uh, it'll possibly be thinner. I'd say it's a good bet it's going to have an even larger screen. Samsung mm. have that knack now fitting in a larger screen inside an almost same size uh, body as mm. the previous mm. model, like they did with the Galaxy S4. So I reckon probably this may hit the 6-inch size. Uh, when you consider the Galaxy S4 is 5-inch, so you'd, you'd think this may be 6, maybe 6.2. Uh, obviously, the S Pen there as well. Uh, and will obviously inherit a lot of the Galaxy S4 features. I say, I reckon S Translator uh, and some of these other health features like the activity features that are on the Galaxy S4. Uh, a lot of a lot of those the camera features as well. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think the Galaxy Note 3 has been an EFA product. It's always been released at this show. Same deal for the Note 2 and no no change for the Note 3. I think it's yeah. uh, this is Galaxy Note season when it comes to EFA. Reason to be predictable, and essentially uh, that's going to roll out that, plus a whole range of other news from IFA will roll out over the coming days, and you'll be able to read more about those at techguide.com.au. In a minute, we'll talk about a couple of other things coming out of IFA in Berlin. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, as you know, Samsung is not the only company, as much as they'd like to be. They're not the only company that are at Berlin. There's also Sony and Asus are actually holding a press conference right now in my hotel. Uh, and, and Lenovo, Panasonic, they're all here. Uh, but one, one, of the other, one of the other big tips is that we're going to see a new Xperia Z phone. Now, it was only in January where they unveiled the Xperia Z smartphone, which was very well received. It, it, it kind of signaled a return to strength for Sony. 
journey, been a very popular product. But what, what the talk around town is that we're going to be seeing the Xperia Z1 and also possibly another product called the i1. Uh, that, that these are rumours that could very, very well be the same product. These are the names mm. that have been bouncing around. Uh, I think we're going to see for the Z1 maybe a slight design tweak, but probably just just better processor, better camera. Hopefully, it'll still be waterproof. Uh, you know, their their press conference is also on around the same time as Samsung's. Mm. It's a, it's quite interesting, really, because these guys, Sony, for example. And um, we'll talk about Microsoft and Nokia later, but I was talking on the radio today about the Microsoft Nokia deal and you know it's like people don't know that the other companies exist um in in the broader community and, and these guys have got a real challenge actually just educating the world on on what they have and we've discussed this. I mean these are great phones that Sony's churning out. They've mm-hmm. they've literally just got to find that that thing that makes them cut through like the others are. But uh yeah. great phones. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I think Android Obviously, look, Samsung has got the biggest budget, so therefore the biggest megaphone when it comes to promoting their Android products. I th- we're going to talk about tablet sales in Australia a bit later too, and you'll see that Samsung are dominating there as well. So I think Sony have got a real they've, – they've got a challenge ahead of them if they want to be heard in this space too. They really need mm. to get out there and market these products as good as they are. Mm. That is, the, is not the only thing that's that, – they're not going to sell themselves. There really needs to be some clever marketing around yep. it, yep. a lot of word of mouth. Which which they're sort of kind of getting, uh, you know. Sony have got so many different parts of their company. They're spending a lot of money promoting 4K TVs, which are only really going to appeal to a small percentage of the community. Whereas a smartphone is going to appeal to a wider range, a, mm. a larger percentage of the community. So whether they're putting their money in the right areas of marketing is yet to be seen. But that's the battle, not only for Sony but all these other companies. It's a little bit like the Windows laptop market. There's so many out there. The one who comes up with the cleverest marketing, the best-looking products are going to win, uh, and we're going to see the same sort of thing happening in the smartphone space. So it's going to be a battle for your hearts and minds uh, at the same time. Now, before we talk about the big guys over in America and what they've got planned next week, just talk me through, Aoife, quickly. Um, you know, we've, we've obviously talked a lot about CES in January, but what, what is this show, and, and what does it mean to, to, the, to the year for, for consumer electronics? Is this kind of the mid-year review, or, or is this just pre- yes, concentrated is, yeah. on the European market? It, it is uh, both of those uh, are right. It's the obviously the run into Christmas and beyond. So this is kind of the the, the home stretched before the end of the year for the Christmas period, uh, and obviously a European concentration. So a lot of European companies here, uh, or the European uh, arms of these particular companies, but companies like Philips that you don't normally see at other other shows in in a major presence, uh, Grundig and all these other companies that they really come out and, and showcase their products here. It's a lot different to CES. CES, as we both know, is just such a massive, massive show on a grand scale. EFA is still significant, but typical German efficiency, it's a lot easier to get around, a lot better organised. Each company exists in its own hall. Mm-hmm. So rather than being a central hall and every company's in it, Samsung would have, for example, Hall 24 would be Samsung. The next hall would be then Sony and then so on. So it actually follows a logical progression. You can get around it quite easily and efficiently. So that, that's the major difference here. Not as big as CES, but still quite a big event on the consumer tech calendar. There's a few journalists here from Australia uh, and, and obviously all the companies that I mentioned earlier, all the majors are here as well because this is uh, the biggest show, as you mentioned, uh, here in the Consumer Tech Show here in Europe. All right, lots to, lots to learn this week and uh, to catch up between 
uh, episode 129, the one you're listening to, and episode 130, which is next week. You should keep your eyes peeled at techguide.com.au. Now, before we talk specifically about Apple, I, 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 want, to, um, I, I want to talk shop a little bit so people that aren't desperately into the tech media game um, can, can ignore this. But it was very funny last night. You, you might have been in transit when this was all going down, but it was hilarious to me about this time last night. So we're talking <laughs> about Tuesday late night, very early Tuesday morning US time. The Verge, which is a huge tech site, um, posted an article saying that Apple had sent out invitations and confirmed that September 10 was the day they were having an announcement. It was very interesting to me because there was no picture of the invitation. There was no details. It was just a confirmation. Uh, you know, the other sites, because how, how the world of internet works is once someone reports it, you, you report it, you just link to them, and, and that's how blogs work. You, you, you say something's happened and you link to the original source. You know, BGR, which is a really big blog, linked to it and, or talked about it, but didn't link to it originally. And then suddenly, The Verge tweeted, um, you know, uh, publishing error, uh, our mistake, no, no announcement from Apple. <laughs> it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was a complete retraction. Everyone, the, the thing's going wildfire on, on Twitter. Um, the other websites are all kind of backing out of it. And then it wasn't for another four hours or five hours that, um, that the invitations actually arrived, which was confirmed. And it was, it was never in any real doubt, but a very bright, spotty colored uh, invitation um, uh, talking about brightening up our lives. So an interesting uh, invitation from Apple, but really yeah. nothing, um, nothing that makes us think, oh, that's interesting in terms of what are they going to announce. It's pretty much what we think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was actually here in Berlin with all the other tech journalists from Australia, all, all uh, furiously checking their inbox and any missed calls they've had uh, to see if they've got actually received this information. Alas, none of us uh, had this invitation, so it's going to be quite a small affair. I understand it's going to be held at Apple's headquarters, mm-hmm. so we'll be covering it like everyone else, I guess. Trev, back in this, in Australia, but uh, yeah, the invitation says this should brighten up everyone's day, and I think that's kind of alluding to the fact that. The 5C, the entry-level iPhone that we've all heard about and all speculated about, uh, is going to be released with in a range of colours. The 5S uh, is also going to be the top, the hero product, if you like, uh, with possibly available in a champagne gold colour mm-hmm. and possibly available in a 128 gig capacity, which I would love having a phone with that much memory. But um, I think the problem for a- uh, Apple, Trev, at this event is. Well, I think they've managed expectations because we kind of all know what's yeah. what's coming. But Apple, as they tend to do, often have something up their sleeve. I'm just yeah. wondering that what that may be because everyone's going to go, yeah, we know all this. And if, if all the rumors are right, which they're likely to be, everyone's just going to think, yeah, well, so what kind of thing? Like, yeah. what do you think? I, they, they, I hope they've got something up their sleeve to really surprise us all. Yeah, look, I think that um, – I think you're right. I don't know that there's really much – I don't think they'll surprise us with anything. There won't be just another thing. I think that's going to be um, for another day. I think this will be a pretty standard fare. That's why it's a small affair. That's why it's at Cupertino. Um, I think this will be simple, and they'll announce the products which we're expecting, and, and then we will probably see a, a move towards uh, the October event. And I think there'll be an event very quickly after it, and you know, mid October, possibly you know by the by the twentieth, twenty fifth of October, there'll be another event, which is where we'll see, for example, the the next iPad announced. 
Uh, yeah, you, you don't think that they may combine the two? They've never no. done that in the past. No. They always give each product its own cycle, its own little press cycle. So I can't see that happening. And, I, and I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm expecting another October event. Mm. If, so if, um, if there was hopefully a, the two blokes talking tech will be in attendance. If there was a five, if there was no five C, then I would say yes, we have an iPad coming. But because they've announced, well, sorry, they haven't announced. But because we pretty much know there's going to be this lower end colourful plastic iPhone, that's got to be the hero out of this. That's got to get several weeks' worth of attention, which will drive store traffic at the at the telcos. It will drive uh, and Chris, release. Christmas. They'll release it before the next event yep. too. So we're probably looking at a 20th, September 20th, 20th or yep. September 27 launch date. Yeah, I think 20th is, is almost spot on. And then and then they've, then they've got a month of, of hype around that before they announce the next iPads, which will be available again you know, before December. So for me, it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, so there'll be um, there'll be some new phones, and uh, and we'll move on from there. So interesting times, and and as Stephen says, we'll uh, we'll bring that to you here on on Two Bikes Talking Tech next week because it's Wednesday morning, early early AM uh, on September the eleventh here in Australia. So Two Bikes Talking Tech episode one hundred and thirty, we'll have a look at the new iPhones, and uh, we'll tell you what we think. Two Bikes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And we do it all, as always, thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au is their website. Check it out because there's some great information there uh, if you're a home or small business. And certainly if you're, if you're looking for uh, fast Wi-Fi for your home, then it's pretty hard to go past the, uh, the Netgear range of routers and modem routers. Upgrade your home network to next-generation Wi-Fi for more fun and more functionality. Uh, the D6300, for example, is a Wi-Fi modem router, 802.11ac, which is the fastest wireless uh, there is, dual-band gigabit speeds. Speeds are three times faster than the 802.11n, which you've probably got at your house now. If you don't, then you are really missing out. It's the best Wi-Fi coverage for, for larger homes. And like a lot of Netgear products, it has those two USB, USB ports, so you can actually plug a mini hard drive or a thumb drive, and you can share those those files across your network really, really simply, and remote access to that USB hard drive via the ReadyShare cloud. So check it out. There's uh, great information on the performance, the speed, the range of these Netgear routers at uh, netgear.com.au. Well, this uh, thinking about the Aussie tech journals that were all in the air on the way to Berlin, geez, this must have took you by surprise as you landed and turned on your phones. Uh, uh, Microsoft purchased Nokia and and this is this is not a small story and I've got to be honest the interesting thing for me and I know it's sounds a little egotistical but but it's kind of a a judge for me I judge a story scale by who wants to talk to me on the radio and when it's my my regular tech spots fine but when a business show rings you or when a breakfast show at another state rings you you go this is getting attention so the very fact that Nokia has been bought the fact that they've sold the handset uh, company over to Microsoft is a huge deal in consumer electronics. And I've got to be honest, there's two things to come out of it is, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to control the product like Apple does from, from hardware to software. And Steve Barmer's going, is, is Nokia CEO Stephen Elop the, the likely contender for that job? Very interesting times. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think that Nokia, it's, uh, I think that for the bargain price of $8 billion, mm. uh, you can recall that Nokia, uh, sorry, Microsoft actually paid 
the same amount for Skype a couple mm. of years ago. Mm. Google actually paid $12 billion to acquire Motorola. Ripped off. So you just got to wonder what Nokia would have been worth if Microsoft wanted to uh, ink a deal about four or five years ago. It would have been probably 10 times that amount. Mm. So Nokia has, has, since the smartphone market really took off with the iPhone, Nokia has always been on the slide. Mm. Uh, they formed this partnership with, with Microsoft a couple of years ago. So they've agreed to run Windows Phone on their hardware. Now, from this deal, I can't see much of that changing. Obviously, Microsoft's going to push even harder to become a devices as well as a software company now with the acquisition of Nokia. But they've got so much ground to make up. I don't think the fact that they now own Nokia is going to really change in people's minds the attraction of a Nokia device. We've always been saying if Nokia had have made a device running Android, they'd be probably second to Samsung in the, in the smartphone market today. They haven't done that. This deal with Microsoft, can it bring them back up to those former days of glory? Can Microsoft market it in such a way? I don't know. A lot of questions to be answered and a lot of money on the line. So what do you think? You know, I don't think it's going to make a rats of difference to the, to the performance and sales <laughs> of uh, Windows Phone. I think they need a radical change. I think they need. Uh, I don't. I, to be honest, I don't know what they need. I don't know if they need to spend billions more on marketing like Samsung did. I don't know if they just need to admit that they should. They see. This is the thing we've talked about. Nokia make great phones, but if they're running Android, they they'd probably do a lot better. So, but Microsoft's not going to go and do that. I, I just no. think it's it's strategically the only option they had. Um, to ensure that their main partner in phones was still around, and that is basically we buy it, we do it. Now, what do you think, mate? I, I was thinking about this yesterday, uh, just to take a lighter side, but, you know, last time I bought a Nokia, it was on a 24-month contract. By, by my reckoning, Microsoft have to pay $333 million a month for 24 months to pay that handset off. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a very good way of looking at it, Trevor. I, th- I wonder if they'll get a discount if they, if they, or they'll have to pay extra extra charges if they want to get out of the contract. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> a very lighthearted observation, Trevor. But just on Stephen Elop, who's the Nokia CEO, he's a former Microsoft employee, yeah. we should remember. So him returning to Microsoft is probably a prelude to the him being groomed to take over from Steve Ballmer, yeah. who has who's agreed that in a year, or I think August next year, that he's going to step down. Uh, Steve Ballmer was talking about this being probably one of the biggest uh, deals ever done in his in his since he's been CEO, so since two thousand. Uh, so. Is it, it's a package deal by the looks of it. Now, what what they can do different to change, to, to claw back the massive market lead, like I think when you look at it, iPhone, Android are the two giants out there, uh, and you, you, Apple control both hardware and software. Google now control hardware and software now with their Motorola. We're going to see that with a Moto X. Uh, Android, just with the sheer number of handsets and manufacturers, Sam, companies like Samsung and Sony and LG out there were using that platform. What are they going to bring to the table? Look, I'd love to see, because I, I quite like the Windows Phone platform. Whenever I review the Windows phones, I've got one, the 925 right now. I really enjoy it, and it really connects you to a lot of your documents and a lot of your – if you're in the Windows world, it's really handy to have all of that in your hand. Mm. But is it going to do it? Is it going to have enough, this deal? Is it going to propel it further enough in the market to claw back some of that lost ground? My answer is no. Uh, simple as that. Uh, I don't think it can happen. Um, we gave Nokia every chance when they started launching the Windows phones with their Lumias, but 
I don't think that's come up for them. And I, I think that's proof that they've got a long way to go. But uh, lots of road ahead for, for Microsoft. And we'll watch with interest uh, on, here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, it's pretty obvious uh, that uh, Aussies love tablets, and I'm not talking the kind that you buy down at the chemist. I'm talking about iPads and Android devices and all these products. And according to some research uh, released by Telsite, the technology analyst, there has been a huge surge in tablet sales here in Australia with 2.3 million units sold already in the first six months of the year. Now, that figure is actually nearly as many tablets as we purchased in the whole of 2012. So what does that say about our appetite for tablets? It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And this is the thing, and I say this as often as I can to people, you know what, three and a half years ago, there was no iPad. And and people kind of stop for a second there and go, oh my, it's true. And and the, the absolute scale of growth here, and I mean... If we could just get a number that was the total number of tablets sold in the world in those three years, you'd look at it and you go, that's ridiculous. No one could have foreseen that, surely. But it's it's interesting too, here in Australia, there's now more than 7 million tablets in the market. Yeah. So as you said, three and a half years ago, there wasn't a tablet market. There's now 7 million already in use. I think the, re- the surge has sort of come about because a lot of people are finding the form factor a lot more convenient than buying a laptop. I think there's mm. so many entry-level users who just want a simple laptop, get on the internet, you do a bit of email, simple operation. A lot of these people, these customers have thought, well, do I really need a laptop? Can I get away with a tablet? The answer is yes. They've, they've followed that up. The, that's why these numbers are surging. And interestingly, they've broken down the market share. 52% of these are tablets are Apple iPads. Mm. 43% are running Android. Mm. And the rest of them, 5% are Windows, uh, Microsoft-based uh, Windows tablets. Uh, and of the Android segment, 40% of them are Samsung tablets. So again, mm. that huge marketing megaphone that uh, Samsung are, are using is working in the tablet space as well. But uh, it's only going to grow and grow and get even further. I, I'd love to predict that it's probably going to be double next year, these figures. Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine where it's going to go from here. But we shall watch with interest. And if you want to look at that data, it's available to read at techguide.com.au. Now, just quickly before we do your minute reviews live from IFA, but not related to IFA at all, um, <laughs> LG has uh, set the price for its uh, curved OLED screen. Now, this is the one we talked about, which we, after Samsung announced theirs was available and they had a price, uh, we were speculating the price of the LG one because we, we thought earlier in the year that it was going to be a good fifteen grand, and and it turns out that they've I think they've reacted to Samsung, and it's uh, it's eleven nine nine nine. So a thousand dollars more is the difference uh, between the LG and the Samsung uh, curved OLEDs. Yeah, that's right. I think as as you said, we were, it was good news to see that LG had come under well under that fifteen thousand dollar price point that we all speculated about, but yet that's still a thousand dollars adrift of Samsung's price. And Samsung, uh, while both both products look fantastic, really beautiful looking 
products, curved glass frames. Samsung's actually has the multi-view, so you can watch two shows at once on the panel. Mm, yeah. uh, and theirs is $1,000 cheaper. Uh, LG, of course, have got, have got excellent sound quality. Uh, they've got 40 watts total combined audio output. So if you're a real audiophile and you want as good sound that's as good as the image, then LG may be your product. Samsung have the multi-view, so it's going to be a battle royale there. I'd say before the end of the year, you'll, you'll find that LG may even drop the price to match Samsung's. And time will tell who's going to win that battle trip. Interesting times, and uh, you'll continue to hear about those. And I can't wait to hear Stephen's one-minute review of the curved OLED. It may take 10 minutes, I reckon, once he gets <laughs> his hand on one. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. So, mate, we're going to kick the minute reviews off with uh, a company we both love, and that's Bose. Yes, the QC20 acoustic noise cancelling in-ear headphones. Now, Bose are well known for the over-the-ear noise cancellation headphones, but imagine squeezing that technology into an in-ear headphone, and they've done it. The QC20 is amazing. It comes up with the same noise cancellation as you would with wearing a full-blown headphone. Uh, it has a small control module down near the 3.5mm headphone jack, so close enough to your source, so it's not going to be dangling around and bouncing around, hitting your body uh, when you're listening to them. I actually use this all the way from Sydney to London. Instead of using uh, my Bose headphones and coming off the plane with a big dent in my head from the over-the-head head headphone strap, mm, yeah. I was able to listen to the QC20s all the way to London on one charge of the battery, and it still had some juice left in it. So the, the, it's got a rechargeable battery in the control module uh, that lasts about 16 hours. It's also got uh, a... a inline microphone and remote so that it can be used with the iPhone. There's also a version for Android, but look, sound quality, as I expected, was excellent. Uh, now, I really couldn't fault this product, and you will you can see that by my star rating that I've given it on techguide.com.au. Good stuff. Uh, check it out, uh, the full review at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, this next one is very cool, especially if you love taking photos with your iPhone, mate. Yes, uh, a company called Enki, that's E-N-K-I, makers of uh, excellent iPhone accessories. Now, if you are, love taking photos with your iPhone, you know that the pictures are good quality, but it does. the device has its limitations as a camera, and the limitation is the lens. The lens is great for taking your normal snaps, but what about if you want to have a super wide angle or zoom in on a subject? You really can't do it properly without the proper lens behind you. Enki have the two versions of three-in-one lenses that can improve all of that. The first is a tele-eye, so it's got a five-time zoom. You slip it over the top of the iPhone. It aligns with the camera on the back of the iPhone, the lens on the back of the iPhone, and you can then zoom in on your subject without even having to use the pinch to zoom. It naturally uses the lens to get a a much more enlarged image. The wide-eyed lets you have a wide-angle shot, so you can take wider angles, so like a vista shot. You can, say, take a photo of a landmark without having to get too far back. You can fit 
fit it all in the frame. Uh, if you want to see some examples of that, I was actually down on the harbour testing it out. Uh, there's images of me taking pictures of the uh, the harbour bridge without the uh, lens on it. There's also one with the wide eye. There's also one with the tele-eye and also a wide eye shot of the Opera House and the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge taken with the wide eye, just an example of how you can fit in more in your image using that wide angle lens. Both priced at $74.95. Check them out at techguide.com.au. Mate, enjoy Berlin. Uh, lots of reports regularly at techguide.com.au throughout the week ahead. Absolutely, yeah. Keep an eye. There's going to be plenty of writing done in the next day or so when all these products are released, and hopefully I'll get my hands on them and you'll see photos and images and stories at Tech Guide. And, of course, uh, next week for episode 130, we'll wrap up IFA and tell you all about the new products from Apple. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.